A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today's guest on Sporting Misadventures is somebody that uh, Matt and I have been very excited about. Uh, it's Joe Wilkinson. He's uh, obviously an award-winning stand-up comic, uh, comedy actor, writer, and yeah, he's been on our, our screens for many years now and one of the, the guests we've been desperate to get on. So we're excited to, to have him on the show. And do you remember when you first saw him come out? I first became aware of Joe in uh, him and her, I think, when he was the, yeah. the kind of weird neighbor next door with the beard, it popped around and was, um, and then he started appearing on all kinds of shows, eight out of 10 cats as well as Rachel Riley's assistant. And yeah, his career has just absolutely skyrocketed since then. And well, we're both big, big fans of Chatterbix, aren't we? The podcast yeah. with David Earl and, and Joe. Um, so yeah, looking forward to chatting to Joe and seeing, seeing him give some tips to, to improve this shoddy performance that we're putting on. <laughs> He's my dog walking listen. So I look like a lunatic as I'm walking around listening to him and just laughing out loud as other dog walkers <laughs> look at me like I'm insane. But um, I think it was eight out of 10 cats when I first I first saw him. And we were chatting about this before, but that poem he, he wrote, I've just named your penis, <laughs> which if you go onto YouTube, I'm sure you can find. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely eye-watering clip that makes everyone uh, just corpsing around him, including Joe, but anyway, um, very entertaining. <laughs> and Sean Locke, yeah, I remember Sean, yeah. Sean absolutely wetting himself. Yeah, that was uh, that was a classic moment. There he is. Hello. Hi, Joe. Good Lord, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank, thank you for having me. Um, how are you? All good? Yeah, very good. Um, do you want me to record this end? Uh, yeah, you can do actually. That'd See, be he's a helpful. professional, Matt. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, wow. we're slightly shambolic. We're wow. hoping to learn a lot from you, Joe, because um, <laughs> you know we're both chatter biscuits, and oh, we, God. you, know, you oh, obviously yeah. got a, an award-winning oh. podcast. So um, you know, a chart-topping <laughs> podcast. So we need to learn from the master. God, if you're learning from us, you're in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Jesus, we are. We are not. We should not be the blueprint at all. <laughs> but thank you for. It's funny you've, you, the, the sort of soundtrack to. So much stuff that I do, whether I'm driving places or traveling places, just get on Chatterbix and it's. Oh my God. Yeah, I feel, feel like I know you. Feel like <laughs> oh, I know no. I'm not a stalker. Bit, I'm not dangerous or anything. Well, just, I always uh, get a bit freaked out when people say they listen. Me and David um, don't really think about that side of it. We just knob about. Well, I don't know about you. I mean, it's very different for you because yours has been, you know, you've got chart topping podcasts. But for, for us, for Matt and I, we've only just started doing this and I can't actually imagine anybody sitting listening to this it's weird it's the thought that of is, people yes, it's know, horrifying it's horrifying thinking about people listening to it like <laughs> yeah, i think you'd freeze up wouldn't you you know what i mean you start going uh yeah that's what i'm doing I'm, now yeah yeah like i'm imagining <laughs> no one's going to listen to this otherwise we will just you know i, I need i'll be like oh no i can't say that i can't say that oh god it was it's great that matt some of the maverick things spending that richard osman having him on and spending maybe 40 minutes talking about sussex i was in oh. i was in i was in bits <laughs> at that just because yeah, it, that, it was just that, so unexpected yeah we were still, yeah david and uh <laughs> richard both knew heathfield very well and uh <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about Heathfield, so I'm sort of the listener in that scenario, going, God Almighty, <laughs> waste of everyone's time. But Especially, then equally, when when you had, um, I've forgotten his name, the guy from the Cure. Um, oh, Lol Tolhurst. Lol, yeah. That's it, yeah, and and David was just, he yeah. was quite overwhelmed, wasn't he? It was, it was, it was utterly was... overwhelmed. Yeah, like, um, what was fascinating about that on the on the podcast, we've been talking about David's love of the Cure for you know, like two two years. And then um, my other half managed to get hold of uh, Lol. And uh, I was like, I don't know, I, I was worried he would have like a sort of seizure or something. And <laughs> and uh, so it was quite nerve-wracking for me seeing. And, and David didn't speak for a good 
chunk of time at the top, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, he's just you've got staring. to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just staring. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I might have a watch of that again. Actually, it's ridiculous, man. That was that was great fun. I like the ones when you're sort of. Um... This is just terrible. This is so shit. We can't put this out. And those, those <laughs> conversations, why it's so captivating. It just works. So- oh, is it? I've, I would assume it's uh, utterly tedious. <laughs> no, not at all. It's the, there was the episode where you were trying to record a promo and we had just started, oh, yeah. you know, literally it was a few weeks ago um, and we were going through exactly the same thing. And then about a day later, you, you, you know, your episode was about recording a promo. And I said, sent you a message, Max, and you've got to listen to it. This is, it's hilarious because I was, I mean, we took, I don't know how many takes to try and do like a one minute promo. And it was, oh, it was the same thing. It was awful. Yeah. It's hot. It's just one of the hardest it's, things. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Because it you have to yeah. go listen to it. Was it the one where you, uh, you had to do it as well, I assume, where you have to go listen to the, to our podcast for these reasons? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you have to go, and we, we listened to a few of them and, and, uh, and rightly so, most people are upbeat. And sort of going, we talk about this and we talk about that. So we were like, okay, let's do one of those. And we're like, oh, no, no, I can't. I can't do this. This is awful. This is just a couple of prats. And it was just like. Is it because you're you're so used to playing characters or or when you're on stage performing, there's a persona? Yeah. Whereas in this, you're being yourself. Yeah, definitely. I was weirdly thinking about that because I'll I'll be honest. I was like, yourself, Chris, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet yourself. And kind of how I imagine, I sort of went, oh, I'm not asking questions. And I was sort of thinking about, okay, it's not my podcast, I'm stupid. But yeah, I, I do, I do sort of, me and David have both said it's the, the only thing we've ever done where we're really ourselves. And, and it's almost affected how we are in our other parts of our lives as well. We sort of learned to sort of share and open up because I think both of us are quite, um what's the word like not insular but like we don't naturally go oh this is what's going on in my life and this is how i'm feeling about something or whatever we've just never done it so it's sort of like weirdly becomes slightly liberating for the pair of us to be like talking as ourselves for hours on end and sort of learning to go oh you can just talk about the fact that you're feeling a bit down about that or you've had a barney or or whatever you know what i mean and it is that's normal that's yeah. why it's so compelling i think that's you know when it is it's it's not scripted it's not planned it's just you just feel like you're you're eavesdropping in on a couple of mates having a really good catch up and having a laugh and it's the genuine laughter as well i think that's you find yourself laughing at the two of you guys laughing oh yeah you know, i that's... think we're, we're quite lucky that we we do make each other laugh also i think that's a sort of unwritten rule is like just be truthful you know what i mean like if but we we did something today earlier. We did a pod. We do. I don't know if you heard. It's called. Um, I think we called it Joe's playlist. See, David's like a big muse. He's always sort of loved like obscure music, and and I'm just sort of heart FM, embarrassing, sort of basic <laughs> human when it comes to music. So David had this idea that we'd get like a music expert on, and they'd play me like cool music, and I'd basically like basic music reviewing for from someone who knows nothing about music it's quite it's, <laughs> it's quite humiliating idea. for me it's like i don't know if you like if it's like one of you guys talking about flower arranging you know with with like someone who's just won um new <laughs> garden or whatever it's called and uh so it's really it's really exposing for me because i you know i talked about today like i spend a lot of my time sort of talking with people about you know if you talk about music i just basically lie because I go, I'm not going to get into a conversation and go, yeah, I don't really get that. Because everyone yeah. who's into music will go, why don't you get it, you idiot? But so music, just, it's so it's so subjective, isn't it? Though you know, it's a kind of, and there is an element of Emperor's New Clothes about a lot of stuff oh, that, that is subjective. Definitely. People will jump on the bandwagon. Oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And and if you come in and kind of go, well, why is it? Explain to me why this is so. Well, well, that's you know. that's exactly it. I'm sort of going, well, I don't, I don't get it. But it is quite like embarrassing, sort of admitting, oh, I don't really get the new Nick Cave song or something. Because like Nick Cave's loved, and rightly so, I should imagine. But I just go, oh, I don't get it. <laughs> and and the rule is, I just have to be honest. Like if if I listen to something and I go like one of the, because they play me like three or four songs, and I have a have to say whether it's going to go on my playlist basically. And uh, I listen to something and I go. 
I'll say sort of like, I know I'm meant to like that because mm. I know it's got all the elements, all the ingredients to like be a cool song, but it's just noise to me or whatever. <laughs> and I, and the rule is, is just be honest. And I think that's the sort of rule generally on the show. Don't sort of like, you know, talk out your ass. Just sort of go, oh, yeah, I haven't got a clue. And so that's why loads of it is us going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And is this, this on Chatterbix or is this a separate podcast? Oh, no, no, it's Chatterbix. It's just it? uh, oh. it's just like a segment. We'd like every fortnight we have this guy called Steve Baker come on who's a music producer who plays me like really good music, which I don't get. <laughs> David does basically, so it's just humiliating for me. <laughs> David's so, really talented though, isn't he? I mean, it's like all that music, that's, it's the little jingles that you play in Chatterbix. Yeah, I'm gutted. They're actually really good. They're really good. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, I try not to. Try not to let him know that. That's the thing. <laughs> so hopefully he won't hear that bit. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, they're, they're great. They are really good. You were saying, Joe, on email. Well, you said firstly when I asked you to come on, you said, I've got nothing to say, but I'd love to come on, which was uh, quite, quite a response. <laughs> you said you were also yeah. filming this week. So are you able to talk about what you were filming this week? Um, one, it got moved. Yeah. So um, I ended up not filming. Okay. So, But it, it's a sitcom, basically. It's a new sitcom for... Um, for Apple, that's I think that's all I can say. Oh, cool. um, wow. I'll tell you something that I I hadn't um stumbled across until recently was the Cockfield. Oh so right. Absolutely right. loved it. Oh thank it you. Just, do you know what? It's one of these things you're flicking through what should we watch tonight and you know, oh, I don't want anything too heavy and mm. what's you know, I want some comedy and just found it and we started. Oh, and it was absolutely Absolutely brilliant. So many oh, thank you. genius moments. Um, so, yeah, you, you wrote that as well as starring in it, didn't you? Yeah, me, me and David, yeah. Yeah, mm. we wrote that a couple of years ago. It's actually coming out on BBC in a couple of Is weeks. Is it? Yeah, it's um, coming out on BBC too. Because um, it was oh, by you, um, it was made by UK TV. And, um, and now the BBC have bought it. So it's coming out in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, we wrote it. It's basically based on our families, like, an, um, like a merge of the different parts of our families basically and uh and uh yeah it was it was quite a it's a bit of a love letter to our families basically and so it's all you know like we sort of rib our family but it's all done it's all done hopefully it comes across with a great deal of love because you know it does yeah if you don't take the piss out of your family i don't know what else we I don't ask what else we're talking about <laughs> who can you take the piss out it, of yeah exactly yeah you know. so my mum my my and dad are, are very sweet and uh, they they enjoyed it, but then they started to like go start, to start, start talking about something, and then just go, oh no, actually, I'm not going to tell him. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's listening. He's going to yeah, use this. Yeah, so we got a lot, we got a lot more muted at home. <laughs> is that Brian and Stella? Is that right? Because you named the show after them, didn't you, way back? Oh uh, yes, I did. Yeah, oh, Brian yeah. and Stella. Yeah, they they listened to Chatterbix as well. We laughed because uh, like, but they because we do hundreds of apps. So I think we've worked out my mum and dad listen to like one every. 19 or something so and it always seems to be the one where i'm taking the myth mick out of them <laughs> and like, oh your mother wants a word with you <laughs> you're taking a piss out of her slippers or whatever like, oh yeah sorry <laughs> it's always the one that i'm taking the mix so yeah they've been a great source of uh yeah they sort of saved my career in a way <laughs> you got to talk about what you know exactly yeah oh, they do give me some material that was the yeah that, i'm glad you like copyright because Oh, it's yeah, so good. So, it's and it's very, it's so um, wonderfully observed, and and just the characters, and yeah, there's nobody you feel is is the butt of the jokes. It's just they're just everybody is, everybody has their their positive side, and it's it's just yeah, all these different situations you can recognise in your own families and people oh, that you know as well. We, we even, um, even the bit where he, where he's parking the car when he's ju- you're just arriving. Oh and yeah. It's the, yeah. Kind of the, the way that. Yeah. You know, our parents' generation just seems yeah, to be quite oh negative. Not Parker, but they're not over there. Oh. Well, I tell you what's interesting about writing writing the cultures is we we really wanted to observe like behaviors, you know, relationship and families and behavior. And we found the more we drilled down, the more specific and more personal we got, the more people recognized it. They go, Oh, that's exactly what my mum does. And we were like, Oh my God. So the, if you make it general, people mm. don't sort of, um, doesn't resonate. But when you drill down to such specifics, people that's go, really interesting. Oh, that's, that's exactly like, I read, you know, they, they even see, you no, know, somebody, it's either their mum or their auntie or their, their grandma. And we were like, Oh my God, that was such a learning thing for us. We were like, we just sort of said, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to be so truthful 
that it might alienate people, but we we want to write a truth. People just saw it. It was so weird, so weird. But um, oh, so that does mean a lot actually, because yeah, it was um, a very precious thing for me and David writing that. Have you got any other plans, you and David, to write anything um, else? Or we we will. It's like um, it's such a big mountain to climb. It's getting started. Well, you know, from all parts of your life, you know, when you've done something and it, well, you know, there's a lovely, something lovely about the naivety of doing something for the first time where you can't, you don't know the mission, you know, you don't know the mission. But once you know the mission, you go, oh my God, it's so hard. <laughs> so you kind of, it's, it's taking that big deep breath and jumping back in that we're kind of, we're, t- we're trying to build up the courage to do that. But we will because I love writing with David and, uh, it's it's a joy to do, but it is a you know. It's, um, Craig Cash said to us like, when you get a series commissioned, he goes, "Oh, it's six big mountains to climb," and because you know, writing the six episodes, and he's absolutely right. You just this thing. You imagine you just climbed over a mountain. You get to the bottom of it. You go, "Oh, thank God!" And you go, "Oh my God!" There's five in front of me. <laughs> um, but it's a great joy to do. But yeah, it's it's blooming hard. So, but we will because we've got we've got a couple of little ideas. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. David was saying he'd almost shut himself away in Devon and record podcasts for the rest of his life. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Do you know what? Being absolutely truthful, we have so much fun doing that. We sort of gone, oh, right. But that would stop us doing that. And then we bury it down. You know what I mean? Go, oh, let's just keep doing the podcast because that's good fun. And it is, We David, funny enough, said something yesterday. It was like um, we were recording and he went off and got something off the postie. And he was drenched. The post he was, postman was drenched. And Dave sat down. He went, okay, oh, excuse my language. Sorry. He went, we uh, we sit and chat for half an hour every day. That's our bloody job. Jesus wept. And we both sort of went, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I felt really sort of lucky and apologetic are, in, the yeah. same, in the same moment. It's like, you know, we've all been the guy wet in there you know, getting soaked and now we're mm. lucky enough doing that. So yeah, I think a bit of us doesn't want that to that they don't, don't want to get off that gravy train too quick. I find it hard explaining to my kids what I do for a living as well. That's 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 a tricky thing. It's not like <laughs> you can just go, well, you know, work in a shop or a yeah, you know, go to an office or it's like, well, I'm 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 working. Well what are you what are you yeah. doing? You're sitting yeah. in a computer, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't and you're yeah. at home. And yeah, it's it's kind of difficult. The old days is much simpler. You could just explain exactly what you used to do. But. Yeah, definitely. It's it's sort of. Um, I always think I'd love to do do a podcast, but also be like a plumber, but do like one plumbing job a month, and then I could say I was a plumber. Then I wouldn't have to say, "Oh, I sort of chat and." Well, I make coffees, so I could say I'm a barista. I suppose that would do be. that. Honestly, it's so I mean, much less embarrassing. At least, at least Matt has a proper job. He's a journalist, you know. He, no, no, he, but he works. Wow. Last weekend, I just went to an event to write about people driving in cars around in circles. That's essentially... Right, like, yeah. So you, it's faintly ridiculous. Yeah. During Wimbledon, I've just stood, for, sat there for two weeks just watching people hitting a ball over a net. And when you're suddenly thinking Quite you're nice, talking to like people in the NHS or teachers or doctors, you know, whatever it is, and suddenly I'm just doing that. When you dissect it, it sounds faintly ridiculous. I always think, though, with something like that, you kind of, you've you've cut it's, it's the end of all the crap you've got i think we always forget the crap you've gone through to get to the point where you you are now going oh, i'm so lucky to mm. you know what i mean like we were just thinking about you 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 there about going to watch some tennis i'm like and write about it that's amazing yeah but i'm sure you didn't leave school and they go thumbing through the paper and go do you want to do you want to write about wimbledon I do yeah, always try whenever I'm at an event to appreciate it. You know, sometimes it's, it's yeah. really hard to do, but just try and think, you know, l- last weekend I was at a Grand Prix and just being able to interview some drivers and you just sort of think, wait a second, I've got to take stock of it. And it's amazing, yeah. So I'll try and do that uh, as often as possible. Having done, I'm, I'm sure you both have, having done rubbish jobs does allow you to yeah. remember that, doesn't it? Like you, you know what I mean? When you go, oh, you know, me and David always talk about crap dogs we've done, so... You know, and it's a chat a bit. Oh God, here we go. But um, I think having like done shite jobs, you go, oh God, it's amazing. You know, like I think I always find it weird. You know, when you see like child actors or whatever, and they've only been actors, and they probably go, I always not feel sorry for them because that's absolutely ridiculous. We go, oh right, your highs on your enjoyment isn't going to be as mm. much as this if you haven't like worked on a crappy building site or something. 
Yeah, I think it's there's guys in the cycling team who burst onto the scene in their late teens, and you know the, the timing of their kind of um, explosion and talent and and form coincided with Olympic games. So say they turn up at the oh. games aged eighteen or nineteen, yeah, and they came straight in and were part of a team that won a gold medal or might have won a gold medal individually, and they're kind of unencumbered by the pressure or the the years of building up towards that and blowing up, not blowing up at proportion, but certainly thinking mm. about it so much. You know, I won my first gold medal when I was 28. So I had years and years and years of wondering if it was ever going to happen. Yeah. And years and years of almost building it up into something that it wasn't. When at the end of the day, it was the same, the same guys you race at a world championship or a world cup or a European championship. It's just a different day. It's just called the right. Olympics. But equally on the flip side, you know, I was on the, I remember being on the podium in, in Beijing next to Jason, who was like a 19 year old who just, just made it on the team and another guy called Jamie Staff. And we won the gold medal together. And I was I was in floods of tears. So was Jamie. And Jason's looking at us like we're <laughs> like, what's wrong with you guys? You know, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's it's kind of like because yeah, I don't think I don't think you'd realize the enormity of it at the time. Or maybe we'd blown it out of proportion and it wasn't you know, that big a deal. But we'd we'd kind of put it on a pedestal, you know. Yeah. I think it's your journey. Mm. There's also early on in stuff when you're kind of just doing it and there's no reason for doing it. I find that always interesting with like, I don't know, doing comedy or something. When me and Dave started, there wasn't really much of a career path, really. So it was sort of like, there was no pressure because this was an utterly pointless thing to do. <laughs> so you were just going, we're just doing it because we just like doing it. You know, it was something we're going to do and I like comedy and I'm going to bugger about doing it. And then it gets a bit more serious start doing things like paying the bills with it and you go oh okay that's a bit a bit less free now you know what i mean and then it becomes mm. a job and then you're like oh crumbs and then i sort of start thinking about oh right it was amazing when i just had a day job and i could you know that that paid the rent and then i was going in the evening and seeing my mates and doing a little bit of comedy and buggering about you know do you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's really serious it's like and it becomes a job and it can, the joy, I, the joy can be sucked out of it. If yeah, it's, yeah. You know, if it's if it is, and it becomes too too formulaic or, or just too much of a routine that you to be able to step back and and recognize how lucky you are to do what you love doing. Mm. You know, I I as a kid, if you told me that I could make a living out of riding a bike oh, every day, I mean, that that was the dream. You know, like I, I did everything I could to to get back from school to finish <clears> whatever I was doing to have time and go and play my bike with my friends. And if you told me that if you work hard enough at it, you could end up doing that and nothing else, you know, that, I mean, my, you know, your career's advisory person at school, they never mentioned yeah. that. They never said, do you think it's like, I feel like sometimes I look at like yourself or maybe David Beckham and people like that, you go, it doesn't matter if your parents or his parents had said, you're not riding a bike, you're not kicking a football. It was going to happen anyway, because it was just that single vision because, it, you know, you, you love riding a bike, you were going to do that, but you couldn't have been thinking, oh, I'll, I'll make a living from this and I'll win gold. You just go, I'm bang into this. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to keep doing it. And it doesn't matter if I never go anywhere. It's just I really like doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. You can't really stop a kid or a young yeah, person it, doing it. And I wonder doing. now if it's changed with, with comedy. I wonder, you know, sport it certainly feels like it has where there's such a clear pathway that you can follow. There's so many people that have trodden that path mm. before now that you think, well, I once I'll, I'll do this. And then when I've done that, I'll get to this and, yeah, I'll, I think... and I'll get my agent and I'll do all. And, and I don't know, I think a lot of the riders that compete now, it's just, well, <laughs> here's the, here's the treadmill you get onto. Here's the pathway you follow. Yeah. And it leads to the Olympic games or to the Tour de France or whatever their target is. Because of people like yourself, kind of, well, yeah, they've sort of going, tread, oh, they, the they, path before, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. there weren't many. Like, bit like you were saying, when I started cycling, there weren't many, um, well, there weren't any guys really at international level winning or at high level. It was all the Australians and the Germans and the Aussie and the um, Italians, the French that were the top performers. So we didn't have guys in our country to emulate and to to sort of grab onto their their coattails and get dragged mm. along. So you had to kind of forge your own path and and. Yeah, it's and and with that, it's exciting because yeah. you don't know you don't know where it's going to lead. And and I didn't do it thinking this is definitely going to give me an Olympic gold medal in five years' time or ten years' time. I just did it because I loved doing it, and it was you know I, if I can do this, if I can blag this for a year and travel the world a little bit and race at you know some amazing 
events and amazing places, meet some cool people. What an adventure I've that's had. A, that's and then, enough, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you can get a proper job and you sort of settle down. Do you think also that not clear path thins people out quicker? You know what I mean? Like people that are, they don't, they're not doing it for the pure, I'm going to do mm. this because I want to do it regardless. Now, now there's, now there's a path. Some people might go, oh, I'm going to stick with this, who might not have done. Yeah, definitely. If they, yeah. Who didn't have the, maybe the, the drive to, to make it work themselves. You know, if you, there's a, I'm not saying it's any easier because it's not because the more the more clear a pathway there is that it tends to attract more people so the, the yeah. level tends to go up which makes it even harder to be seen and to yeah. to break through or to get selected for yeah. a team or whatever mm-hmm. but certainly in the old days you you had to make it happen there was nobody yeah. there saying oh I'll coach you or here's a vel-. we didn't even have an indoor track um when I first started so you couldn't train in the winter on a wet track so basically the tracks were shut from October till April and and you know and you weren't making money you weren't earning no one was paying you money, so you couldn't afford to be professional. So you had to either be working part-time or full-time and then training in addition to that. Or if you had parents that were very understanding, you could stay at home and they would put food on the table for you and, and you know, your, your dad would drive you to the races or whatever. And it was, you know, relying on other people. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. changed a huge amount. But it's always the way, isn't it? When you look back now with sort of rose-tinted specs, it's like what... I feel lucky of that course, yeah. it went that way, that I had that experience um, and my career kind of spanned almost this pre-professional era into the professional era. So I experienced both sides of the full support and the ability to really achieve your potential, but at the same time, live the dream in the kind of true amateur sense in the yeah, beginning yeah. and then appreciate what you've got when you get it. I think that's exactly it. It's like you, you, saw, you saw the before and after. That's that's the difference. You go, mm. so you are gonna. It's impossible not to enjoy it more. If you go, ten years ago, I didn't have any of this. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you've just come in and 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 let's say the young young people kind of going, oh right, yeah, there's all this all this facility and there's all this, and you're like, no, I'm not that. You young and still know how easy yeah, you've yeah. got it for. Yeah. I was talking to some literally some young comedians last night, and uh, they were really smart guys and girls and they were saying um like now there's like stuff that is it's hard to explain but basically is that like you know there's like tiktok and all this kind of stuff that um comedians sort of use and i don't know like get their profile up or whatever Mm -hmm. so they're sort of being told oh look get get a thing you know get a thing to put on 20 second clip or whatever and they they were sort of aware that the barminess of it so they weren't sort of going oh this is fine but we were sort of we were sort of going if that's not your where your thing works then ignore it but they can't ignore it now mm. like if a type of comedy is not your thing that's absolutely fine if you're someone who needs to be seen live or whatever that's your thing but now they're sort of going well you're not going to get anywhere unless you have this online profile that we didn't worry about so we were just doing our thing and it either worked or it didn't and we you know if it didn't you'd go and do it a different way but they're sort of going well if i can't get anywhere unless i have a thing that works in 20 seconds or whatever mm. and i was like going oh my god it's so clinical it's the wrong way round. yeah it's the wrong way around it's like getting an idea to fit a shape do you not, see not I mean? everybody yeah not everybody's style of comedy can be condensed into a 20 seconds no, but it but it know, feels like one liner they're always feeling like a failure mm. And I guess that the pressure is also that you, when do you ever switch off? When, you know, if you have the ability to make TikTok videos 24 seven, when, when do you ever get a chance to just relax and, and observe what's going on and then find the comedy around you, which you can then bring yeah, out, you know, it's yeah, yeah. difficult. I think I know exactly what you mean, Dan. Could that be a, could that be a, I, I struggle with saying TikTok some ways. I feel too old to say TikTok. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know when you go, oh, God, God. I, feel, I feel like I'm saying discotheque or something, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it, like you say, you just want to, you want to kind of go, oh, that's a good idea and let it sort of percolate. And now they're going, oh, everyone's, I don't know, it just feels like a production line of mm. stuff where you should be. I was always taught, well, read, if everyone's doing that, go the other way. I think it was Graham Linehan said, if everyone's writing gritty dramas, write a big and silly studio sitcom. You know what I mean? Go the opposite way. But mm. I think it doesn't really apply now because 
everyone's sort of got a path to get seen on tickety talk, as they say. But no, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. just felt the wrong way around to me, but as I am old. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You obviously had comedy aspirations at different points, and just taking on Chris's point, did you ever had like loving riding the bike and that's all he ever wanted to do did you have anything like that in sport at all or was anything that oh uh, yeah or was it just always comedy uh, do you play do you are you uh, your sports writer Matt did you yeah so I'm a you, sports writer because I was a failed sportsman I still play yeah that. right yes, right I was going to ask is that is that is, that, so, is yeah, that what is yeah. that what sports writers are, are they all I think right. most, most many won't admit it but basically you're not good enough to do that thing right. instead you make a living writing about that thing which is oh. the second best I think or some I, do some do it first, then become writers, don't they? Yes, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Some succeed and so, then succeed. So again. no excuse then, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Just to make you feel even worse. <laughs> I love the fact you went, no, not all of them are failures. <laughs> some of them are incredibly are pretty good. good sports people and then are great writers as well. Just <laughs> kick a man when he's down. Yeah. Um I've spoken about this with David on Chatovic so much. I am in awe of sports people like utter or it's my thing that like i would drop being a comedian in a heartbeat to play football at any level and someone pay me like i love comedy but i've just find i'm in so much awe like it's they they are they are proper superstars to me like that like i i guess because like comedy was like that and I'm, i've peeked behind the curtain i guess there's some of that and i but I watch live sport. I, I got taken to see my friend Tim took me to to Eastbourne to watch the tennis. Yeah. And I, I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm a tennis fan, but he said, come along. Tennis, have you watched tennis live? Or oh, you have, yeah. sorry, have you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I've it's been to unbelievable. It's the power and the speed and the accuracy and, and the, the ferocious ferociousness of it all. It's yeah, awesome. Every, it's unbelievable. The difference between watching it on telly and watching it live, I think, is the biggest difference in any sport, I think. You can't get it on telly the way you get live. The first shot I saw someone play, I was like, well, that's the winning point. And they was like, oh, God, they got it back. What? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, what? What? Because it was so fast and past them, past the opponent. And I was like, well, that doesn't, my brain, like, I still watch it with, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I can't see what you're doing. My brain isn't, doesn't work like that. I can't see how you're able, both of you are able to continue this game. Someone's doing a shot at that accuracy and that speed, and you're reading it and getting it back, but getting it back in a way that puts them on the back foot as well. I was just like, this is insanity. This is such a good sport to watch live. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all oh, but like football for me is the one. Like, I, I love watching football. I love watching like people play football at a high level. I think is in your dream scenario, which kind of type of footballer? If it had all worked out and you'd been a oh, Glenn, Ho- Glenn Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle. I just, I'd love to have just ghosted around the pitch, just doing stuff that and i'll tell you the player in the modern era is that but i saw berbatov play live and he felt very similar i my friends are big my dad's a spurs fan but my my best mate growing up's a big spurs fan and his mate got poorly and couldn't go to the second half of the season so he said look do you want to do you want to buy his season ticket off in the second half and it was the season before 
Berbatov left Spurs to go to Man U. And I'm a I'm a Gillingham fan, and I I used to go quite a lot. And uh, I was used to watching sort of League Two football, and you know, loving it. But my God, I felt like watching Berbatov was worth the first the first game. I felt I got my all my money's worth in what in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> like the, I remember the ball coming over and sort of going. So the balls so from sort of right back to left wing, if that makes sense. So he's on the left wing. It, go, it kind of went behind his head and sort of over his left shoulder, and he controlled it with his left foot whilst running. And I just went, what is that? <laughs> what just happened? I Do felt like throwing fivers. I think what is what amazes me is when you see what they're capable of doing, the skills that footballers have, or any sports people, professional sports people, how how they make it look so easy and they have this ability like footballers to control the ball, to place it wherever they want. And yet, like we were discussing this, we've discussed this previously, penalty shootouts, where it should be yeah. the simplest, you know, of all the things yeah. that they have to do in during the 90 minutes or, you know, yeah. whatever, all you got to do is kick the ball in the top left and a top right hand corner. Like like you did on yeah. Soccer AM, um, Joe. Um, well, I'm definitely top bins, top bins. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, literally, all they've got to do is that if they, you almost can, yeah. you know forget the goalie because if you hit it the right spot, he can't get to that spot. Yeah, and, yeah, which yeah, you've they, done and yet the pressure thousands of, and hundreds, tens of thousands of times. Yeah, and they can't they, under that I've pressure. Never thought, I've never actually thought about it like that's like I don't know, like the equivalent of you putting your foot in the. On the pedal, they do it. So you do it so often. It's like a footballer going, "I just got to kick it from there to there." And the, the, do, mind, the mind starts to get in the way, and the the, the conscious thought gets steps in and starts overanalyzing what's about That's to so happen. The, the yeah. of it. I've never thought it's the easiest bit of their day on mm. when, when if it's not a World Cup final. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then yeah, but it's like if I said to you just now, you know, if I painted a white line on the tarmac. And you said, "I've just you've got to walk across that white line. It's you know maybe a foot wide. Mm. Even if it was blowy, windy outside, you'd mm. be like, yeah, oh, I could do that. Go, yeah.' You raise it ten feet off the ground. Yeah. All of a sudden, you start shaking and you start. Your you're thinking thinking. About yeah. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I've never thought of just how basic it is for a footballer when you say they're, you know, they can do kick ups for as long as the day's light, mm. and then they've just got to do that. But fifty million people are watching." So how did it feel on Soccer AM? So I I I don't watch Soccer AM, but I listened to your your podcast talking about it. This oh, this top bins thing. I didn't know what it was, and then I went on and saw the video. And well, I have to say that was you see that that is my that is my point <laughs> is that you know there you go you you should be taking the penalties. Well, I I I I funny enough, my my friend Simon talked about who I spoke about a minute ago. We have this we used to have this running joke. He said he said you if you got an England call up you'd play wouldn't you. And I was like, yeah, I would. Because I'd be like, he was Why like, you're, you're, you're insane. You'd let the whole <laughs> nation down. I'd go, I'd give it a bloody good night. <laughs> uh, but like, I think maybe not now, but like in my 20s when I still was obviously appalling comparatively. But I, yeah, if the call-up came up, I would, I would like, the, I don't know, like the, the manager was having a nervous breakdown and for some reason phoned me. <laughs> and I would go, yeah, I'm there. And and he was like, "You something wrong with you?" I'd go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> He'd be like, "You'd be like go down in history as the worst." <laughs> but like, isn't that yeah, isn't that, that reflective of the kind of person who does stand up comedy who want who chooses to put himself in that position? Because yeah, I guess so, I could yeah. I couldn't think of anything more terrifying, like genuinely, than standing up in a room full of people you don't know, so you don't know what kind of yeah, person, daft, what kind it? of people they are, and you're putting yourself on the line, and yet it's you get drawn towards doing that. Yeah, it's an odd one. I still, I still question myself about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a not. It is. It is an odd one. But um, so going back to Soccer AM. Yeah, Dave, David wrote a um World Cup song for Chatterbix, basically, and uh, and then uh, we sort of tried to <laughs> tried and failed to take um three lines off uh, top spot. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was called Cup. You got to aim high, you know. You got to aim high, yeah. Bloody hell, we were so out of our depth. <laughs> and uh, it was called Cup for the Cupboard. It was really stupid. Anyway, like um, Soccer AM were 
got in contact. And it, look, if they ever ask you to go on soccer, like me and David are like really wary of everything. And we're like, oh God, no. Because I've watched soccer for years on, on and off. And we're like, oh, again, because we're not used to being ourselves. And stuff. Anyway, we, we went on it. Such a lovely team at soccer. If, if you ever get a chance. Oh, that's nice to hear. They're yeah. so lovely. The presenters are lovely. The team around them are lovely. They really look after you. They they make it as enjoyable as possible. And it is enjoyable. And you do have a really fun... You have a bit of chat, but then you get to play football and it's brilliant. So anyway, like David's always spoken about being a half-decent footballer. And I've, I've always been, I think, quite tough on myself about my ability. I've, I've always... I think I've always played in teams with very good people and been like in the team by the skin of my teeth. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I was left back, so that helped. I'm left footed, so there's never enough left footers, are there? So <laughs> I, I kind of um, played down any, I'm not good, you know, I'm, I'm average. So, but David's always given it a bit of, uh, oh, well, off decent. Oh. <laughs> so we went on a. Uh, so we went on Soccer AM. And, uh, We've all got a friend like that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, great, isn't it? Set themselves up. <laughs> yeah. And oh, my word, he set himself up. And uh, he had a bit of a, he had a bit of a, he had a bit of a shocker. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I had one of those days, basically. I had one of those days. Like, I, hit the, I hit the top bins. And then I, it, for anyone who doesn't know, they put a bin in the corner of the goal and you have to, from the centre spot and I just went straight in I had my hands in my pockets when I did it <laughs> and then there was another bit where you have to take it around the keeper and I did that and David was like having a mare it was just great and then the best <laughs> bit of it like um, Jimmy Bullard's the one of the presenters a lot again a genuinely lovely man and, and really welcoming and I'm a bit in awe of him as well because he's a you know was a, I think he was a fantastic footballer so we had to take this free kick and I think it just went over and he th- he turned to me and went you played a bit didn't you and I went like jelly I was like oh. <laughs> being asked out by the prettiest girl in school you know and uh, and David overheard it and he was like <laughs> and uh, so everything dovetailed for me that day and David yeah went the opposite way it could have been your greatest gone. sporting achievement then that I, honestly I was just talking to, to Petra I went I think it might be. yeah that's classic you, have I have to wait until I'm in my late 40s. Have you had some lows? Have you had some sporting lows or we talk about sporting misadventures? Have you had some? Yeah, I've had some Any lows. horrors? The one I was going to talk about is, like, I was, I was thinking about this, and this, I don't know if it's, not if it's super funny, but it definitely affected me. Like, I I played in a team for years, like, a, not Sunday League, before Sunday League, you know when you're still a kid, but you play, you play on a Sunday or Saturday or whatever. And uh, we had a decent team and, we had a lot of kids who were probably unlucky not to get scouted a bit, actually, looking back, you know. But you have that little window, don't you? And then everyone goes has a pint, don't they? And if it, or if it goes downhill, basically. <laughs> but um we played in we played in a cup final and my dad helped run the team with another guy and other boys who was very talented. His dad ran it with my dad. My dad sort of was the bit more printing out the team sheet thing and you know and the other lads dad he played for Cholton for a little bit and stuff so he had a bit more savvy dad's gonna kill me if he is <laughs> <laughs> they'd have their little meetings on the Tuesday but um we played in the final and um I got subbed off basically by my own dad Oof. and uh I was, it literally affected me for years like yeah you know you're like it just, I think it killed mm. my confidence and stuff. Is that a frosty car journey home then? Well, do you know what it was? It was like, it was probably right. <laughs> and I think as a kid, you know, I don't mean this horribly, but those matches are, don't mean anything, but they mean everything to you as a kid, mm. don't they? Yeah. You know what I mean? We're playing whoever in the final and that's a big deal and you feel, feel like a superstar, don't you? Mm. And you're like, you're running out. And you go, oh, I'm playing in a final. And then, you know, you get subbed off. It's just like, it's not like the top flight where you've got seven big hitters on the bench. You know, we you hardly scrape 11 together. <laughs> <laughs> was your dad just trying to be fair and not be seen as a parent that was... Oh, there's probably a bit of child. that because we have... We've never spoken about this. I can't, can't bear to. Um, <laughs> but he did say, 
the other dad's son was so good, you couldn't question whether he should be in the side. And that was probably easier. You know what I mean? Because Matt yeah. was dynamite, basically. He had a real engine. So you couldn't go, why is he in the team? But I guess because I was a bit fringy. You know, do you know what I mean? Mm. I, there was probably a bit of fairness in it going on, which is probably the right thing to do. But, God, it was like a real like, ah, oh, I've been thinking about this for months. And it's all and so, over now. And, you know, you don't feel part of the team anymore. I don't know. I do think that about professional footballers as well. Like, I think because of that moment, I go, you've been brought off for the tactical reasons, but you're not thinking as tactical because we mm. need to be more defensive or whatever. You go, you still want to be unsubbable, don't you? You know what yeah. I mean? Roy Keane was unsubbable, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. No, it's... Go, unsubbable. Shit. But it's interesting how it sticks with you. These these are the yeah. things, and it doesn't matter. You know, there's things that stuck with me from my cycling career. That you know, you, you think, well, that will you put that ghost to rest. You'll you'll kind of move on from that, but you don't. I think it's just the age you're at. You, whether it's just the really significant stage in your life, and yeah. and as you say, these are big things. You know, when you walk out, whether it's you know a local match against a local school, or if you make a cup final. You know, I never made anything as, as grand as that when I was well, a kid, but it's. Say. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but it's just you know it, it's massive, and you in your mind yeah. it's like the final scene of a Hollywood movie. You're kind of yeah. in this. It's you know, you know, you watch Karate Kid or Rocky or these sort of things, and you that's what you feel like you're you're entering into this this huge big moment, and you step back and realize it's just some kids playing around in yeah. the park. But but it's it doesn't matter. It's what it means to you at the time. I think it felt like as well, like suddenly, I think. I'm only thinking about this now. I think I put a lot of pride in being in that team. A lot of my pride of my my self-esteem was like, oh, I, I can do this thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm not bad at this thing. I'm pretty good at this. And mm. you know, that and then then I was taken out of that bubble. Do you know what I mean? And I was on the outside and I was like, no. I you know, you put a lot of your um self-worth into you know, being good at something, yeah, which that is identity. Yeah, yeah. And I was suddenly like on the outside looking in rather than uh, being in the middle. Is that but, the yeah. day your sporting dreams died then or is it not? No, I I was think not at all. I think I think I'd go the other way, actually. I think if someone says you can't do that, I'll go, oh no, I'm gonna hmm. I'm gonna push a little bit harder, I think. And I always think about have you ever watched the documentary about the the kids coming through at man united you know like their beckham gigs and oh, the class uh, of 93 yeah it's an amazing thing to watch about uh learn about the nevilles who have gone up hugely in my estimations since since they stopped high football it sounds terrible but they <laughs> basically every every step of the way and m- maybe i'm talking out of turn and if they heard this, they'd go, F you. But I felt <laughs> like like Beckham at school was like, you're through, you're in the team. You're you're in the county team. You're in the you're on, you know, you're definitely in the man new youth team. But it felt like the Neville's every step they were like, should we put them in? Should they go to the next level? And they just pushed and made it to the next level. And then they so they got through this got in the school team and then they got into the county team. And they were like, can they do the next level? I'm not sure. And then they pushed and they got better. And they just, they weren't, it felt like every stage wasn't a given. Mm. They were, they, they got there themselves. They, you know, they, the, one of the coaches said, oh, the Nevilles, they trained themselves. They just, they were on it. And I just thought that was fantastic. I thought it was such a, um, amazing thing for them to get where they yeah, they couldn't have got any higher but every step they were they were battling I think there's there's a notion that talent is or I, I think talent is way overrated in terms of well first of all it sounds as though ta- when you say someone is talented it's like well they're not trying they don't have to try hard it's easy for them but but every mm-hmm. athlete every, no matter what you do no matter what sport you do no matter what industry you're in you need a bit of potential for for whatever it is you're doing but you also need the hard work as well yeah. and it, i think talent it's yeah it's a it's a misleading word um, yeah 100%. but i you know I, I yeah i if i was thinking about myself i would be definitely in more the neville's bracket because i wasn't a kid that you'd have picked out at a young age as a potential future champion i was i was good but i was never the one kid in the in the team or the one in that race that you'd say oh, yeah they're going to progress on 
but in a way, I think you learn so much more because if you if you have that drive to keep going, then you have then you 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 find a way to make it work. You look at the other guys that are doing better, you learn from them, you find a way to improve, and then you without realizing what you're doing, you're building this character that you have. So when it does get tough, because it gets tough for everybody, even the really yeah. talented kids, they get to a point where they reach a, a limit or they reach a level where they're not that special because everybody's special around them. And then they've got to find something within their character to, to push them that the extra. Yeah. yeah. If you if you're yeah. used to winning as a kid, you know, there's always that one. Like rugby is a great example because you always have some massive kid who's grown, yeah. had a massive growth spurt, who's about six foot tall, has got a moustache and, you know, can just run straight through the whole team. And they'll score four or five tries in a game and they think, or they're, they're told, wow, you're our star player. And then physically, everybody else catches but up. Football, and, and football was the same. I remember coming up and there were like, there were just kids who were just big. And then mm. now as an adult, you go, you look at you look at those kids and you go, yeah, not, they're not the ones you need, need to be looking at. It's the, it's the kid who's half his size. He's, he's, he's not quite winning the ball off him, but he's getting bloody close. Mm. We were chatting to Greg McHugh. You know Greg McHugh. You're oh, I love Greg, yeah. And uh, he was talking about how he got spat on by an opposing team's parent. No. Because he said that there's no way you're 12 years old. So he was this big, he was the big kid in the team. He was the big kid, was he? Yeah. And they were, he, oh, the guy said, that. basically, you know, I want to see your birth certificate and, and spat on him. No. Um, oh unbelievable. Yeah. I was a tiny kid. I was like the second smallest in my year at school. Then I had a growth spurt. So no one believes I was tiny. <laughs> The, the smallest, yeah, the smallest kid in the year was also Wilkinson. So I sat next to him, so we're like you know, tiny, <laughs> tiny toddlers in the corner. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's. I'm always impressed with like the Fodens and those guys who. What level have you got? Because mm. like you probably both have had, but I have not been up close to many top athletes. But the physicality is there's the, there's a guy who plays for Brighton who lives near me, and he runs past and. Every time I look at him, I go, look an alien to me. Because <laughs> they're so physically big and athletic. And and then you see like small players like Foden, who probably doesn't isn't that small, but comparatively, I was like, you've got to be unbelievable to compete at that level. One of my favorite places in the world, um the most unique places in the world, um, the Olympic canteen, the Olympic dining hall. Oh my god, what's so that? you have just all these the extremes of the human form. You've got these basketballers who are seven foot tall. You've got gymnasts who are, you know, four feet. Is it like the bar in Star Wars? It's, <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's and you just sit there. If you get, you know, if you've got a rest day or you're off for the afternoon or whatever, you go and you sit in the corner and people watch. And it's That's it's amazing. the most, one of the most amazing places. And you just see in amongst them, you'll see all your, you know, real sporting legend, you know, Usain Bolt, Serena Williams, um, Roger Federer, you know, just unbelievable athletes. You shamelessly go up to them and say, hello, I'm a big fan, or would you do oh that? Oh, my God, I would have to do that. I'd be There's so a, embarrassed. Usain Bolt in London at 2012 and in Beijing, there was just this constant, like a swarm of people around him everywhere he went. You think the Olympic Village would be somewhere you could go and be left alone but even he fellow was athletes. causing He's, that in oh, the village. Yeah, he was, I mean... Like, I called it the village, what an idiot. That was the village. You're right. That's exactly. <laughs> no, but like, the, not the Olympic village. Like, you know, like, I think you should be only the Olympians should be able to call it the village. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's a surreal place. But but you're right though. You're you're kind of in awe of what the human form can do. That's, I love watching gymnastics. I love I love watching no, extreme sports now as well. You know, all these new th- like BMX. Um, like BMX is now in the Olympic Games freestyle. Yeah, yeah. And because it's a new sport, the, the rate of its development and the new tricks that are coming out. And you see what these guys can do. You've got to watch it in slow motion to understand. If you watch it in real time, you can't see all the moves. It's like spinning around, they're upside down doing this. And it's just, it's like watching, I don't know, Cirque du Soleil or something. It's just incredible. I I, I saw the BMX and also the other one was skateboards. I saw that in the flesh in Tokyo at the Olympics. And the the skateboarding, look, there's stuff they could do. And then you find out this person's 13 or 12. I was going to say, they're all all kids, aren't they? They're like the grandma of of skateboarding at one. And it turns out she's 18 or something. Yeah, (laughs) I I remember seeing a documentary about the skaters and they're all... Yeah, like 13 and 14 and stuff. Incredible what they could do, the skills, the air they'd get. I mean, I don't know the terms enough, and it's just it's just awe-inspiring. To when the Olympics is on, it's such a weird come down afterwards because yeah. all these amazing things are happening, like 
every 10 minutes <laughs> for like a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go, I'm just mm. going to watch the swimming now. I'm going to watch the BMXing now. I'm going to watch, you know, it's just this constant, like amazing yeah. kind of athlete after athlete after athlete. And then it stops. And life and it, just feels I, really boring afterwards. You're like, oh. Oh, I just as a kid watching it and the Commonwealth Games as well, and you become an expert in all these different sports. Like, mm. you know, ten years old watching the Commonwealth Games in Edinburgh, and I was on the edge of my seat watching the Lawn Bowls. You know, yeah, Scotland yeah, versus Wales for the bronze medal. You know, I'd be, I was so into it, and it's and I just yeah, I love the diversity of sports. I was going to say you said I'm watching the judo, and you're sitting there like, yeah, hip on again, yeah, 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 hip on again. Classic. We're oh, Wazahari, Wazahari. That's the other one I remember. The classic <laughs> masters of none, aren't we? In the Olympic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that guy's absolutely no. I, I remember being like watching the um, synchronized swimming for an hour, like yeah. mesmerized, and doing what you see, going, oh, he's had, they've had a mare. Like, <laughs> what do you mean he had a mare? You know, anything. God, I wouldn't even jump off that. You know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sort of critiquing something I know nothing about. The only so. thing I, when I'm watching diving, I've got no idea if it's a good or a bad dive, unless there's a splash at the end and you can. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's cocked that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rubbish. Oh, and then those moments where it goes in, it's like they dropped a two p in. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's it's super incredible. Weird. You're like, how have that? You know what I mean? It's like a, mm. it's like an Evian ad. You know when they, you know, like just one drop, <laughs> a little droplet comes up. Yeah, yeah and you're like, Duh. did a person? <laughs> I was haunted though, growing up by that. Um, there was a, a an American diver, Greg Luganis, I think it was yeah. in Barcelona. Oh, the... and he and he smacked his head on the board. Yeah, yeah. And every time I went to the swimming pool, just jumping off yeah, or you know yeah. diving, it sort of stuck with me. This image of him going around and whacking the back of his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, he was all right. Blood. Lucky, because I remember just thinking the guy was made of concrete. Because I remember him coming out of the steps, you know, the steps out mm. of the pool, just going like rubbing his head. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you want to have that back up. Out. Yeah, it's like, I think he yeah. still won. He was so much better than yes. everyone else, despite yeah. smashing his head on the diving board. Mm. He was still better than mm. everybody. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's. That's gonna that's gonna take the edge off your silver medal. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not just football though, Joe. You're you're a bit of a runner too, aren't you? You've done, See, done the marathon. Yeah, I, I'm always slightly embarrassed by the term runner, like only because like I am not a natural runner. Like I love I, I love it as an exercise. It's like it's sort of something that I started doing in the lockdown and I, I kind of stuck with. And now I I find it really good for my my head and stuff. Not that I've got a lot to worry about, but, you know, like you're having a sort of a, a grumpy day or whatever and I go for a run and I do feel better. And funny enough, my I, I hurt my knee a, couple, a year and a half ago and I wasn't running. And I did notice a difference in my well-being and stuff. Mm. So I do... I do use it for that, and I have I have run a marathon, and I had a bit of a I had a total nightmare with my marathon. I I didn't know what this wall thing was. Oh, I found out <laughs> which that mile was. did you hit it at? Then? A little bit earlier than I think. I, did. Mm. I think about eighteen, I hit it, oh, and uh, I, I really hit it, and then kind of carried on, and then I was getting cramp every five hundred meters in oh, both geez. my legs, so I sort of. I, I I do run rather than I say I'm a runner because if you see natural run, there's two types because I do a thing called part run. Do you know part run? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think it's fantastic and mm. it's a wonderful thing that um that that happens every Saturday morning. And there's definitely two types of people. There's people with a spring, a natural spring, and then the rest of us. The rest of us look like we're sort of dragging our feet. And then there's people that just ding, ding, ding. And I'm not a ding, ding, ding. I, um, I'm, very much a I'm very impressed. I did a marathon once. No need to ever do it again. It was London Marathon. No, no. In my head, as I'm coming down the mall at the end, I, I feel like perhaps Usain Bolt. It's like, a, or a gazelle. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I have a photo taken of my parents. I think I'm flying both feet off the ground. Yeah. I look like I've sort of, I'm about to die. Yeah. And both of my feet are planted to the ground and I'm being out sprinted by uh, a <laughs> on one side and some granddad on the other yes. side. In my head, it was a, like a sporting It's a horrible reality <laughs> check. I've got a little bit fitter now. I am like, I, I I haven't got a bad, my, my best time at 5K isn't bad now, but I was a time where 
I was quite unfit and I was getting doing the park run, blah, blah. And there's a, it's so lovely that, you know, there's photographer takes photos and every, everyone's having a nice time. Anyway, they put up photos. I joined the Facebook group and blah, blah. And they put up a photo of me. And I was like, that is awful. Like, it was reminded me what you're saying, Matt. And I was like, right, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get in front of this picture. <laughs> I'm going to have to own how bad this is. <laughs> so I, took it and i put it on my thing and i said you know so i was like if i put this up then i'm sort of owning how unfit i look and i said something about running and my friend i think it was james branch my friend james branch but it's not technically running joe if both your feet are still on the ground <laughs> and i know yeah oh that's harsh feet, i was like oh my god that i can relate to that definitely looks so awful the reality of what you look like and what you feel like is so so different Hey, we should leave you to to get on with filming and whatever else there is. But um, we could chat, well, chat, chat. It's been great. Um, thank you for lovely to meet you both. That's um, yeah. Thanks for inviting me on. And um, I can't believe you listened to Chatterbix. It's um, embarrassing. Big, we're big things. big Chatterbiscuits. Listen, yeah. Thank <laughs> thank you so much. It's it's yeah. You're a busy man, and we really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having keep, me. Keep on entertaining us and making us laugh. And um, yeah, keep up the great work. And same to you guys. Thanks for having me. Look thank after you. yourselves. Cheers, Joe. Bye-bye. Take again. care.